you. All right, turn to John chapter 15 if you would. And uh, I have had a great time. I always enjoy the opportunity. You know, preacher, I don't ever want you to think you, you owe it to me to have me come, but I'm always glad when you do. And I'd probably be mad if you didn't, just saying. I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, I hope, I hope that you realize how good God has been to uh, to let you be a part of a church like this. I don't travel an awful lot, but I travel enough to know this: that uh, what you have here, they don't have everywhere. And uh, I know I, people come to our church and they preach and they tell our people, well, I hope you understand what you have here. And you know what? They don't. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about just what God has done, what He's allowed us to have. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like going to a family reunion. I hate those things. And, and uh, I hated them when I was little. You know, everybody pinching you on the cheek, telling you how much you've grown and all this kind of mess. And But... But people, you, you get to a family reunion and people who hadn't seen your kids in a long time said, well, i tell you one thing, they've really grown. But we're so close to it, we don't see it. And sometimes you can be so close to the blessing that you look right over it. And I hope you won't do that. I hope you'll realize that God's been very good to give you a, a godly pastor. And uh, this morning I had the opportunity to have breakfast with... Uh, with uh, Brother Ronnie, and I enjoyed that, and he's a, he is a great man. I, I, I so appreciate what he means to the church here. And uh, then all of the choir and the music, and uh, it's just, uh, it's just uh, refreshing to me. He puts me in a really, really nice motel, and, and uh, uh, I've had time to do some studying and preparation and things. That's been a blessing. But uh, we are very, very grateful for your friendship and the opportunity to be with you uh, this week. You know, it's hard to uh, come into a meeting like this, and uh, I'll be honest with you, what I do, I, I, all my messages, I, I do them on a computer. I type faster than I write, believe it or not. And actually, you can read it after I type it. That's a blessing. But uh, So I'll sit down. Uh, a week before I come and I'll just pray and ask God and I'll go through all the messages that I preached lately and, uh, and, and everything I've preached I've preached at our place within the Monday night I preached that Sunday uh, Sunday morning uh, and then I, I'll print off a bunch of messages and I'll bring maybe 15 or 20 messages with me and I'll get to the motel and I'll start going through sermons and praying and just trying to seek the mind of God about it. I don't know how else to do it. I don't know how anybody else does it, but that's what I do. And, um, and then I, I usually get it narrowed down to five or six. I brought four with me tonight. So if you don't want to say amen on the first one about halfway through, we're going to switch to another one and see if that's anything. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, all we can do is seek the mind of God. And uh, he knows. He knows what we need. And he obviously knew what we needed last night. I told you when I started. I don't know why he asked why the Lord led me to preach that last night. And, uh, and yet, God always has a perfect plan. And uh, thank God for preaching and how it helps us. And uh, for those that are willing to preach and those who are willing to listen. If you weren't willing to listen, I'd be out of work. 
and uh, I appreciate your faithfulness here and what you mean to your pastor and to the good work that God is doing here in Granite Falls. John chapter 15. We're going to read just a few verses and I'm going to bring a message tonight that I really, be honest with you, don't like to bring. Uh, I will be very, very transparent with you and, uh, and, and try to be a help to you. Is nobody here but us tonight, okay? And we might as well just be honest uh, with ourselves, and we might as well let God be honest with us. John chapter 15, verse 1, the Bible said, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. And these are all powerful, powerful verses talking about, basically talking about our relationship with Christ. And he's talking to save people here, okay? We're we're born again, and he's talking to born again people. And he said, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to make it unless you have a relationship with me. And that is beyond salvation. Okay? Uh, Brother Howells had a book one time, I think, entitled uh, Salvation is More, more, more Than Being Saved, or something like that. And uh, the truth of the matter is, it is. There is more to salvation than just going to heaven. Yes. And uh, if that was the case, God could have taken us to heaven the moment we got saved, got us out of all this mess. And uh, that would make soul winning kind of tough. You know what I'm saying? If you went out soul winning, you knocked on a door, and you were witnessing to, witnessing to this lady, and, and she bowed her head and trusted Christ, and all of a sudden, boom, she's gone to heaven. And you turn to one of her kids and say, wouldn't you like to be saved? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think so. I, I think I'm good right here. But, um, but God said, I want to have a relationship with you. And uh, he goes a little further in verse number 5. He said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And here's the text. For without me, ye can do nothing. For without me, ye can do nothing. The title of the message tonight is simply this. What does nothing really mean? Father, I pray you would help us. And I I would not even attempt to stand behind this sacred desk if I didn't didn't think you were with me. Because I can't do this without you. I, I I can't find my way back to my motel room tonight without you. God, I desperately need you. And I, I want us all to understand tonight when we leave here that without you, we're nothing. And we need you. We desperately need you in our lives. We needed you to be saved. We can't be saved apart from Christ. But Lord, we need you in every area of life. Help us to see it tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some verses in the Bible that we are familiar with, we just don't ever really think about them. John 3.16, For God so loved the world. We've said that verse thousands and thousands of times, but most of the time when we say it, we don't really think about what it means. There is a God in heaven who spoke everything we see into existence, and for whatever reason, He loves people like you and me so much, 
that He gave His only Son to die on a cross to suffer, to pay our sin debt so that we could be saved. And we quote that verse and we sing that verse and we hang that verse on the wall, but we really don't seldom think about it. John chapter 15 and verse number 5 is a verse like that. Jesus said, for without me, ye can do nothing. And we say, well, bless God, that's right, we can do nothing. Have you ever thought about what nothing really means? I jotted down a few thoughts that I was having when I was studying this several weeks ago. Number one, I jotted this down. I, I cannot accomplish good actions without Jesus. I can't accomplish good actions. We would tonight say something like this. Well, I just want to do right. I, I just want to be a, a good person. That's all I want to be. I just want to be a good person. You can't do that without Jesus Christ. Oh, I, I want to do right. You wouldn't come to a revival meeting on Wednesday night, many of you Tuesday night, many of you Monday night, if there wasn't a desire in your heart to do right. We want to be good people. We want to accomplish good actions. We want to be decent and honest and honorable. But the truth of the matter is, we can't do that without Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 7, verse number 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. We would all tonight say, to will is present with me. But how many times today did we not do well? You see... Too often we think that if we work hard enough, we can turn things around and change who we are and right the ship and break a bad habit and create a good habit. But the bottom line is tonight, without Him, we can't do anything that is truly good. Nothing. I, I hope you understand. I hope tonight that you believe that. Do you ever really just get disgusted with yourself? I've asked this before here, but how many of you, if you were God, you would have killed you a long time ago? I'd have killed me a long time ago. You know what? God's been good to me. I appreciate, uh, appreciate the song that the choir sang tonight. And, and, and God has been good. I like the line of that song that says, God's been good in my life. I've been blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. And yet, how many times today did I fail him? I didn't fail him because I wanted to fail him. I remember Peter when he said to Jesus, uh, Hey, I'll never deny you. But he did, didn't he? Do you think Peter was lying? No, he wasn't lying. Peter was sincere and honest and had a desire. For to will was present with Peter. But how to perform that which was good, he couldn't find. Because it wasn't in Him. I can't accomplish good actions without Him. I, I, I want to be a better person. I, I want to treat people better. I want to, you might be here tonight and say, well, I'd like to quit yelling at my wife and kids. And I want to be more faithful to church. There are a lot of people who have desire in their hearts for to will is present with them. But when it comes to the actual action of how to perform it, we stumble and fall because too many times we try to do it by ourselves. Not only can we not accomplish good actions without Him, but we can't attain great accomplishments without Him. You know, when I die, I, uh, 
I hope that someone will say some good things. I tell our people all the time, I'll preach a funeral, somebody will come up and say, Pastor, I just want to tell you, that's one of the best funerals I've ever heard. I hope you'll preach a sermon like that at my funeral. I said, if you live a life like she did, I'll be glad to. But if you think for 50 bucks, I'm going to stand up and lie and tell people how good you were when you were a low-down scoundrel, you're crazy. But I hope that if I were to pass away, I would hope that someone would say something like, well, he was married and a devoted husband for 31 years, and he was a good father to his five children, and he was a loving grandfather and a faithful pastor for 26 years. And, and, and I, would, I, would, I would be grateful if somebody would say, you know, the, the church was blessed under his leadership, and things happened, and, and people were saved. And I'd be very grateful for that. I, I would love it if they would say something like, he was a friend of missionaries and really help those who were trying to get to the foreign field. I would appreciate that. I don't know, maybe your list would be different than mine. You, you, someone may say, well, he gave, he gave millions of dollars to the Lord's work. If that's the case, I'd like to see you after the service tonight. Or they may say about you one day, they may say he found a cure for cancer. He led our nation as the president through his toughest years. I don't know what will be on your list of accomplishments, but I know how much will be on your list that you could have accomplished without Christ. Nothing. Don't lose me, we're going somewhere. I think about the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. The Bible said in verse 4, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. And in verse 5, Enoch was translated. And in verse 7, Noah built an ark and saved the world. And Abraham and Sarah had a son in their old age. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to see something here. Hebrews chapter number 11. And look with me, if you would, at verse number 32. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the sword of fire, uh, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, a bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through what? Through faith. You know what faith is? Faith is dependence upon God. You read Hebrews chapter 11 and you say, man, thank God. Hey, you better thank God for Adam. If that meant for Adam, you wouldn't be here. Unless you were a really good swimmer. I really thought, boy, thank God for Adam and thank God for Gideon and thank God for Rahab and thank God for Joshua. Hey, I thank God for him too, but let's thank God for God because they didn't do that by themselves. Any great accomplishment that you ever 
are able to attain any 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 success that you in, enjoy in life. Hey, there's no use in walking around with our noses in the air and our chest bowed out. No matter what greatness we've accomplished, spiritual attainments or financial windfalls or occupational success or marital milestones or educational degrees because the mandate is clear tonight. We cannot do anything without Him. We can't do good without Him. We can't accomplish greatness without Him. And hey, I, th- I thought about this. We can't advance godly attitudes without Him. You see, not only can I not do what I should without Christ, I can't be the person I need to be without Christ. Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.20, For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 9, Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from my sin. In Romans 8.7, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. If I'm going to grow as a Christian, I've got to come to the place where I'm able and willing to admit there is nothing good about me. I'm so great, grateful for God and what He did for us last night. And You know, one of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life is to go to someone and make a wrong right. It's hard. When I stand up here and say you ought to forgive, I, I'm not saying that's easy. Sometimes people say something like this to me, well, I just can't find it in my heart to forgive Him. Do you really think you were going to find that in your heart? Are you serious? My Bible says about my heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Why are you looking in there for forgiveness? You ain't going to find it in your heart. You forgive people for Christ's sake. That's why you forgive people. Be ye kind one toward another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That's how you forgive. God forgives through you. Amen. You can't forgive without Him. We, we, we just, we're really in a mess. We can't do much without Him. We work hard to manufacture good actions. We go to church and read our Bibles and tithe and go soul winning, feed the poor, care for the sick, work with the kids, live a separated life with all the standards. But there's a prevailing problem in many cases, and that is that we are good on the outside and rotten to the core on the inside. Don't think I'm preaching at you. I'm preaching at all of us. We were talking a little while ago talking about how, how do you keep from getting bitter in the first place? How, how, do we, how, do we, how do we keep ourselves from falling in that hole? And I don't know the answer. I, I try to do this. I try to remember that people ain't no good. If I stand up here tonight and a duck come waddling down the aisle, feet going like this, about halfway down, he went, nobody would be surprised. Right? You'd say, Aflac. Uh, you'd say, well, look at that, that's a duck. But suppose the door opened and Aflac walked in back there, and all of a sudden, that duck got about halfway down the aisle, and he said, Roof! Roof! 
we'd all be, we'd all, we, we, we would be so taken back. We'd say, that's the craziest duck I've ever seen in my life. Man, we need to put him in the circus. I want to sell him on eBay, man. That's, that's an unusual duck. Can I ask you a question? Why do we get so taken back when sinners sin? Do you know what really surprises me? When any of us do anything good. Because my Bible tells me that by nature we're all sinners. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that old nature lives inside of us tonight. And I'm going to tell you, don't be shocked when people act like people. Because that's what people do. And if anyone ever acts out of character for a sinner, let me tell you, there's only one reason why. It's called Jesus Christ. That's the only reason. There is no other explanation. Mark 7.21 says this, For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy. And I'm reading that list, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. He's talking about what comes out of our heart, right? And, and he says things like, he says things like, uh, Adulteries. I've never committed adultery. He, he says fornication. I, I, I'm not a fornicator. Murders. Hey, I've never killed anybody. Thefts. I'm not a thief. Covetous. I, I, I may struggle with that a little bit. Wickedness. It goes on and on and on. I'm saying check, 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 check. I'm feeling real good about myself. And then he, and then he says this. Pride. got me pride the very the very thought that I would feel good about the fact that I'm not an adulterer proves that I'm a I'm a sinful prideful person who is it you think you're better than tonight because you don't that's pride that's what it is. It's pride. Can I ask you a question tonight? Who is it that you look down on because you live by some standards and they don't? That's pride. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not here tonight. I'm just trying to be honest with you. Apart from Christ, I am bound to the sinfulness of my inward sins, jealousy and bitterness and envy and hatred and malice and pride. It doesn't matter how together I seem to be on the outside. I've got major inward problems apart from Jesus Christ. I can wear a nice suit and tie a good tie, straight knot and, and have a shoe shine and I can have my King James Bible and I can go to a fundamental Baptist church. But apart from Jesus, there is nothing good about me. And I can't do anything without Him. When's the last time you truly acknowledged Christ in your life? When's the last time you said, Jesus, I'm not walking in that Sunday school class without you? Pastor said, all right, it's time for the choir. When's the last time somewhere between there and there you said, Jesus, I don't want to go up there if you're not going to go with me. Oh, but, but I practiced... You don't get it, do you? You can't do anything without Him. 
When's the last time you sat one of your children down to discipline them? And before you did, you said, Dear God, I can't do this without you. I don't even know where to start without you. God, I, 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 can't, I can't be the husband that my wife needs me to be without you. Jesus, if you don't help me, I'll never be the wife that my husband needs. And these kids that you put in my life, dear Jesus, if you don't do something, I, I'll never be the parent that they need. We go to Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge every year for vacation. And we rent a, a cabin. Our family now, we've got three, two sons-in-law and one daughter-in-law. Did I tell you I had two grandkids? Okay, I'm just making sure I wanted to make sure I told you. And, uh, man, they get, grandkids mess you up. You know that? Let me tell you what, I have, fa- I have quickly become the man I used to make fun of. Really? <laughs> I act crazy. My wife can't get over it. She's worse than I am. I, about, about three months ago, Raylan, who... Tyler and Jessica lived there in Durham and they're part of our church and, and church was over, it was a Wednesday night I think and the place had pretty much emptied out and we thought the last person had gone and we were sitting down here just talking and Jessica said, said uh, well, Raylan is rolling over now. I said, really? She said, yeah. She said, I, I put her down the other day, lay her on her back, I came in, she's laying on her belly. She said, now this week she's, she's gotten to where she rolls everywhere. I said, well, I want to see and so, we put her down. We've got a center aisle, and <clears throat> we put Raylan down on the floor, and, and, and we're trying to get her to roll over, you know. Come on, Raylan, roll over. Come see Papa. Come here, roll over. He wasn't doing anything, so I just got down and laid in the floor beside her. I said, Raylan. Now, I was going to show her how. I was rolling over. <laughs> I looked over. My wife's laying in the floor on the other side. She's rolling over. All the lights are off except these lights right here. Both of us laying in the floor with our grandbaby rolling over. And about that time, the door opens right over here. It's one of our ladies in our church. So I thought, man, I'm down here wallowing in the floor. I just started speaking in tongues to make her think it was religious. (laughs) Crazy. It didn't make you do crazy things. We go on this vacation every year, rent this cabin, and my wife for years has been trying to get us to, been trying to get us to, to go hiking. I'm not a hiker. I hike, I hike to the table at dinner time. I hike to the refrigerator in the middle of the night when I wake up and I'm hungry. I, I'm not hiking. I'm, I'm not a runner unless somebody's chasing me. Okay, I'm not. I don't get in it, but she wanted, oh, I want to go hiking, let's go hiking. Well, this year, for whatever reason, she put on, the, she put on a full court press, and she said, let's go, and she talked the kids into going hiking, the grown, our adult kids. And I said, okay, okay, I don't want to stay here by myself, I'll go hiking. So we drive up to the, the uh, upper end of Gatlinburg up there, up in the National Park, and my wife had been on the internet and found these different trails and waterfalls and all this stuff, and... So we're getting out of the car, and we got these two babies. At that time, they were probably about three months old, something two or three months old. And, and I, somebody said, uh, 
my wife said, well, I'll take, I'll take one of the babies. And, and I said, well, I'll take a baby. I'll, I'll, I'll take Raylan with me. They gave me one of these harness things that you wear, you know, it comes over and you hold the baby in it right here. And I don't mind those too bad. The leashes worry me a little bit. When I see a kid on a leash, that kind of worries me a little bit. But, uh, so I got little Raylan. It's in June. It's, it's pretty hot. I got Raylan and we get her, I'm all strapped, you know, they got that harness thing on, got all strapped in and, and, uh, and they put her down in that, in that harness, and she's, she's sitting right here up against my, my chest. And, and uh, so here we go off heading up this, head, heading up this mountain on a hike. I, I, I think they said it was 1.4 miles, and real quickly that turned into about 10 for me. I felt like I was about to die. And I, I'm walking on that trail, and I got Raylan right here. She's, I'm holding on to her, and uh, we're walking up that trail, and and I'm going to tell you, Brother Steins, what I found out real early in that journey that day is that everything I did was affected by the fact that my grandbaby was with me. I'm going to tell you what I found. How I walked was determined by the fact that my grandbaby was with me. I began to notice on that trip that how close I walked to the edge was decided by the fact that I had Raylan with me. There were some places on that trail where the trail just was right at the edge of a, of, of a, a, a big drop-off. And man, I'm thinking, that you know what, I'm going to get way over here because if anything, if I slip or had a heart attack or anything, I would hate that, anything to happen to her. And, 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 I, and I found myself walking way over to this side, away from the edge, because Raylan was with me. I, I, I stayed on the path because Raylan was with me. Some of my grown kids said, come on, Dad, let's go up, cut up, up, go up this side of this hill and go up through the woods. I said, no, no, no. No, 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 I can't do that. I, I got Raylan with me. I, I didn't try to run because she was with me. And when I got to the top of that trail, there was a waterfall there. And my kids, they're all they're running down and getting underneath the waterfall and letting the waterfall on. They say, come on, Daddy. I said, no, I, I can't do that. Raylan's with me. I, I, I started thinking about it, Pastor. I, I, I would never, ever, ever have taken a drink of alcohol on that trip because Raylan was with me. If I'd been walking along and somebody had been talking profanely and using vulgar language, man, I would have made a, I would have made an exit because Raylan was with me. I didn't want to be impaired for her sake. I didn't want to be around a bunch of drunks with my grandbaby there. I wouldn't have hung around a bunch of filthy talk with my grandbaby with me. I wouldn't have walked, I wouldn't have wanted to be walking that trail if there were people walking that trail who were being immoral because Raylan was with me. Having my grandbaby with me on that trail changed everything for me. And that's what Jesus is supposed to do. If Christ is in our lives, there must be a consciousness on our part that He's there. He affects where I go and He determines how I walk and He influences who I walk with and He influences what I listen to while I walk and He determines what I wear while I walk. This matter of sanctification is what takes place when a child of God lives a life with the realization that Jesus is inside of us. No preacher ought to have to make you sign some kind of paper promising you'll live a certain way. Man, Jesus lives in you. Nobody had to coerce me to walk a certain way. Raylan was with me. 
No one had to, no one had to bribe me to stay on the side of the, the other side of the trail because my baby was with me. And God tonight says, what in the world are you doing? What are you thinking? Living the way you're living. Going where you go. Dressing the way you dress. Talking the way you talk. I live inside of you. You ought to be more careful than that. I'll tell you something else. We can't appreciate Godward affections without Him. There are times when, when in your marriage, I'm going to Cincinnati tomorrow, my wife and I, to do a couple's retreat. Are there ever times in your, your marriage when you, you, you feel really, really close and then other times when you don't? Does it ever get that way with God? You know, you know sometimes, sometimes we go through times when God seems so real to us and then sometimes He seems so foreign. We don't sense His presence. We... We don't see His work in the way we want. We, maybe our prayers aren't getting answered. Maybe our witnessing seems fruitless. And maybe our Christian life amounts to nothing more than conformity to rules and regulations. Maybe, maybe we come to a point where we go through the motions like religious robots. It's Wednesday night, go to church. That's what we do. Maybe we become so disconnected that we even sometimes doubt whether or not He is really real. So we determine that what we're going to do is we're going to figure out what's wrong. And here's what we usually say. Well, I'm not doing enough for God. I need to do more. So we volunteer for something else and go to the pastor and say, hey, what can I do? And we read everything we can get our hands on and we decide to change our environment and sometimes we turn to something to dull the pain or fill the void, maybe booze or drugs. And, and, and sometimes we say, hey, you know what the problem is? I, I'm, I'm so distanced from God, it's got to be the church. I need to go find another church. That's not the answer. Well, I feel dry and barren in my Christian life. This kind of stuff, I'm telling you this because this is what I've had people tell me over the years. I feel so dry and barren. I had a man sit in my office who was a deacon on our deacon board and he said, he said, Pastor, he said, I've been in a spiritual desert for the last two years. And he said, I finally come to the conclusion I found a church and their music energizes me. And I love the, the worship and their services and the praise. And he said, I have finally gotten tuned into Jesus. Let me tell you tonight, your problem is not Solid Rock Baptist Church. Your problem is not Jerry Steins. Your problem is a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've been walking the path. You know what I found myself doing? I, I found myself as I was walking up that trail, I found that if I wasn't careful, I'd forget that I had her with me. Because her little head only came up right here. I'd be looking up ahead and figuring out what I was going to do and where I was going to go, how much further it is. They had little signs there telling you how far you had to go. I was scoping everything out. Let me tell you what I found out. I found out that it helped me that every once in a while I would just stop walking and I would just look at that little baby. And it kind of hit the reset button. And I said, oh, I need to be so very careful. Because I got my baby with me. That's why God says every day, the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. When's the last time you just got by yourself somewhere and just realized that 
Your Savior is with you. Jesus Christ. Christ in you. The hope of glory. I tell you what I found in my life. I don't always do it. I have to be honest. But I found that when I, when I do that on a regular basis, it keeps me focused. I'm not so quick to be fought, finding fault with everything down at the church. I'm not so quick to be pointing fingers at people and saying i got a problem with them. When I realize that He is my Savior and that without Him, I can't do anything. It changes everything. I remember when Jesus called Peter, and I'll close with this. You remember the story. He comes and Peter's washing his nets and Jesus bars his boat and then Jesus said, let's launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Peter didn't want to. Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. He goes out and he puts that one net in the water. And I preach this here, I think, but he puts that one net in the water and Man, as soon as the net hits the water, that thing fills up with, I imagine, that little, that little vessel. He only puts one net. That thing fills up with fish. That boat, that boat begins to rock like this. And Peter said, whoa, whoa, man, what in the world? It's all the difference Jesus makes. And the net's breaking and he beckons to his partners and they come over and the Bible says in Luke chapter 5 and verse number 6, and when they had... This done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break, and they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them, and they came and filled both the ships so they began to sink. And here's what I want you to hear. When Simon Peter saw it, when Simon Peter saw it, when Simon Peter looked at who Jesus was, not at what he had done. We saw what he did the night before. He fished all night and caught nothing. Right? Peter wasn't looking at his expertise, his qualifications, his resume. When Peter saw it, when he saw that Jesus Christ was the difference between success and failure in his life, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he worshipped Him. What does nothing really mean? I tell you what I think it means. I think we can't find our way from here to the car without Him. We sure can't preach without Him. We can't witness without Him. We can't, we can't raise kids without Him. We can't build a marriage without Him. We can't sing the special without Him. We can't sing the choir numbers without Him. We can't teach a Sunday school without Him. We can't clean the buildings without Him. We can't get out of bed in the morning without it. Hey, you want to change your life when you open your eyes the first time in the morning before your feet ever touch the floor? You just say, dear Jesus, I can't even get out of bed without you. When's the last time you just stopped and looked and said, I got Jesus with me. He's my Savior. I don't want to do anything without Him. Father, I pray You'd help us.